Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Take it away, Captain. So how you doing, man? <laughs> That's how you're gonna start it, huh? <laughs> I don't That's know. Funny. Like, do you want to do it like a like a conversation, or do you want to be like welcome to welcoming people? No, nah, let's just do a conversation. You know what I mean? It, it's different than most people here on our shows. And basically, for the audience listening, we're just doing a recap of our trip, some behind the scenes stuff that you didn't get to. Uh, that we probably would never talk about on the show. It, it was crazy, though, man, the experience down there, just kind of going down there and doing the first thing that we ever did with a live show. I think it went really well. Yeah, I think uh, I was pretty tired for the trip. You know, before I left, uh, Les Stroud called me, and he was like, hey, man, would you come down? I've been putting him off. He's trying to start a podcast. He wants me to come down and help him out. And Les is a cool cat, man. And last time something happened, and, and we couldn't meet up. So I pushed it off to the 7th, and I was thinking, I'll just go down there, we'll do this, and then I realized I was leaving for Houston on the 8th, and Les lives like four hours south of me, and I wasn't going to put him off again, so I left, I called you, went down there to help Les, and I forgot my equipment, and I was like 40 minutes into the drive, and so I had to turn all the way back, go back get my equipment, and then drive to Les's, and and. His podcast is going to be cool. There's a lot of cool stuff that he's going to be doing. But anyway, him and I were working on it all day. And it's funny because we went out to this place, this um, kind of like a bar, restaurant type place. And this waiter comes up uh, and he goes, hey, you look familiar. We've met before. Then Les goes, oh, my name's Les. You know, he didn't say, oh, I'm Les Stroud at Survivor Man. He goes like, hey, I'm Les. And the guy's like, yeah, I swear I know you from somewhere. And I go, dude, it's Survivor Man. And the guy was like, oh, my God. And so he's like flipping out and he's like, what are you guys doing down here? And Les is like, yeah, we're working on some uh, Bigfoot stuff. And the guy's like, oh yeah, I saw Bigfoot. So he goes through his whole encounter of seeing a Bigfoot. And then he um, he goes, yeah, you got to check out this podcast. It's really cool. People talk about their encounters. And uh, he goes, I've been kind of addicted to it. And Les goes, is it Sasquatch Chronicles? And the guy goes, yeah. And he goes, that's Wes. And the guy's like, holy crap. <laughs> and so it was kind of fun. <laughs> We sat down, we had drinks, but I was hanging out with Les, and we we finished up pretty late. And he's like, "Hey, man, just crash here." And I was like, "No, nah, I got to get on a flight the next day." So I drove, so I drove all the way from Les's all the way back to my place, and um, got up the next morning. I go to PDX. I'm pretty much a zombie. I'm tired, and I get there, and I go into this. Um, I was telling you this, Tony. I go into this place only in Portland. Uh, there is a, uh, I don't even know what the name of it was, but I go in to sit down. I'm like, I'm kind of hungry. I'd like to have a drink or two before I get on the plane because I hate flying. Then I sit down, I open the menu, and the menu consists of almonds, uh, different kinds of cheese, and grapes for like 16, like 16 bucks. And I was like, the waitress comes up. I was like, do you guys have like a burger or something? She's like, kind of puts her nose in the air to me. She's like, nope. And I'm like, I like, bur- you know, I like 
cheese and I like grapes and I don't <laughs> mind almonds. I just want to pay $16 for a plate of it here. Um, I was like, I'll just take a rum and coke. And she's like, we don't, we don't serve hard liquor here. And I was like, and it was like the only restaurant by my gate. Like I would have to walk way to the other end of the airport. And I was like, all right, well, uh, she's like, we have beer. It's like I'm a Neanderthal man. I just walked into like this fancy place, you know what I mean? Like a caveman. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I'll take half a Weizen. And I'm sitting there. And I'm, I'm like pulling out my wallet, and I'm like, I wonder what time my I got to be at the gate, you know? Because I've made the mistake before of when your plane actually leaves and when you need to be at the gate. So I take it out. I'm looking at my paperwork, and I set my wallet down next to the chair where I'm at. And right behind me was another guy, and that that was like the only wall plug-in in the whole place. So I was charging my phone, set my phone down, looking at my ticket, set my wallet right next to me. And kind of put everything back up on on the table except for my wallet, my phone. I was looking at, at the uh, the tickets. Well, he get he gets up to leave, and he bumps his chair really hard. I mean, almost to where it caught my attention because he hit the chair so hard. And I thought he was taking his phone charger out of the wall. And I was like, wow, that, you know, whatever. And I go back to what I was doing. Then I go to pay for my beer, and my wallet's my wallet's gone off the chair. The airport is the last place where you want to have your wallet stolen. And so I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. So I tell the waitress, you know, my wallet's gone. I think the guy who was sitting behind me took it. She's like, don't worry about it. There's cameras everywhere. And I got to get on. They're now boarding the plane. And I'm like, okay, I can leave Portland, but how am I going to get back on the plane in Texas to fly back without an ID? Right. And I was like, oh, man, what am I going to... And so I was sitting there stressing, stressing. She's trying to pull the cameras up. They called uh, Portland or the airport um, police, and I'm waiting on them. And I'm like, I better go down and tell the gate that I'm not getting on the plane. So I leave the restaurant, walk out, walk about 150 feet towards the gate, and there's my wallet sitting on the ground, uh, opened. And nothing had been missing, and I didn't have any cash. I think he grabbed it real quick, thinking he'll snag some cash out. And I didn't have any cash, so he dropped it. Sucker. And Yeah. and But I had already called, canceled my cards. And I go back to pay for my drink. Can't pay for my drink because my card's closed. So I'm like in a panic. I run to the gate, and I'm calling the bank, asking them to turn my cards back on. Luckily, they did. And then uh, <laughs> I get on the plane, and I land in uh, out there in Dallas, you know? Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you, like, it, it's one of those things where that story... Let me just rewind to the restaurant itself. I mean, you walk in there and she kind of puts her nose up at you. It's like, look at me. Do, do I look like the kind of guy that's a hipster and just wants to eat fresh cut grass every day? <laughs> like, like I, I mean, even me, like I like my meat, you know, and she, it's the, I just find it funny that people get like that and stuff, the, the vegan stuff. Um, you know, give me the fresh cut steak. I'm, I'm down with that. But uh, man, I'll tell you, like, it takes some gall to actually steal your wallet. I mean, you're not like this short little guy. I mean, you you can be intimidating looking to look at. And for him to do that, did you lock eyes with him? Did you see his face and stuff? Did he look like a, a kind of guy that would you know scrap with you, or do you think he was more like a some kind of loser guy that just was out for cheap money? No, I think he was just out for a quick buck. I mean, I didn't get a quick look at him. I mean, I just looked at him real quickly as I passed by and sat down. It's not like I can really tell you. I can kind of tell you what he looks like. But I remember I was so mad, and it's funny. I put all that past me, and I and here's the other part. 
I'm going to throw American Airlines under the bus here for a minute. I paid $30 for them to upgrade my group and my seat. I go to get on the plane, and I'm like, okay, what well, what group am I in? And she's like, oh, yeah, I see. She's like, don't do that in the future. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, don't bother. It's a ripoff. And I was like, well, what, what seat am I in? I paid $30 to sit in the very last seat on the plane in the very, very back. Me too. I was like, what the heck, man? Same thing happened to me. I, I was on this plane that had uh, 41 rows, and I was seat 41. Like, I was in row 41, and I looked on the chart on the, uh, on the online. You could pull up the plane schematic, and they have the seats color-coded. And my seat was red. I'm like, what does that mean? I look at the keys, and it said, bad seat. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I sat next to a, uh, a liberal, man-hating feminist you, you, I could just see it coming a mile away, and she hated my guts. And I was nice to her. I was like, "Hey, you know, my name's Wes." Blah blah blah. And she was just like, "Whatever." And I was like, "I'm not hitting on you. I'm just trying to be nice. We're gonna be on the same plane for the next four hours, you know." And she hated my guts, man. She absolutely hated. You can just tell when someone hates you. She hates me. It's funny because when I landed in Dallas, uh, they told me your wallet got stolen. Or no, when I was heading to Houston. As I was coming into Houston, uh, your wallet got stolen. And I was like, no way. No. I was yeah. like, did anyone tell Tony my wallet was stolen? They're like, no, he has no clue. Obviously, been on a plane. And I was like, there's no way. What are I'm the just, odds? I'm just a poser, Wes. I just want to copy you every facet of your life. I just want to copy. <laughs> well, no, I was thinking, really, what are the odds? I mean, the odds of that, I think yeah. you have better odds playing the lottery than my wallet being stolen and your wallet being stolen. Uh, but there's no way you could have known anything because you've been on a plane, you know, for the last couple hours. And that was a whole mess. Your wallet being stolen. Dude, it was a nightmare, man. Like, I get off the plane and I got the text that, you know, the ride's running late and uh, to take an Uber to the hotel. So I go over to the baggage claim and I, I'm thinking, OK, I'm going to sit here and wait for my bag and I'm going to, you know, do the Uber thing. So I had to... Uh, I had to actually download the app on my phone. I've never used Uber before, but you know, you want to throw American Airlines under the bus, I'll give Uber a shout out because I'll tell you what, that app was so easy, convenient. I mean, everything on that app was what I could possibly want. I mean, you could see my driver coming at, uh, live on the map. Like everything was just on time. It told me before he got there, his name, the model, the car, the license plate number, uh, the guy driving was great. I mean, I for the first time using Uber, it was such a pleasurable experience. And this is before I realized my wallet was stolen, so I was in a good mood. But I, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the, uh, the Uber app, and I'm getting it all figured out. And you had to put your information in as far as, like, getting the, uh, what do you call it, the, the, your credit card into the app and things like that. So yeah, I, I pulled my wallet out for that, and I'm sitting there by myself, and... Uh, I, I do I do the whole thing and I just finished up and I looked up at the, the rack that was you know throwing the luggage around and I saw my luggage so I I remember grabbing my uh, carry-on and I had my wallet in my other hand and I slide it into my back right pocket that's where my wallet is so don't ever try pickpocket me I'll kill you so <laughs> I just gave away the location of my wallet on my body but yeah. uh so I, I put my wallet in my back pocket and I grab my luggage and I'm, I'm going out the door and I'm trying to figure out which you know side of the airport I need to go out on and things like that. So my, my focus was split. Like I was not paying attention to a whole lot other than trying to figure out the Uber thing and looking for the car and all that stuff. And when I was going through the doors, I saw this guy coming and, and looking back, it was almost like he made a, a, 
a predetermined decision. He was going to talk to me like he saw me coming. And that's what caught me off guard and what irritated me when I talked to him because I kind of got a little snappy with him because, you know, when I'm stressed out and I'm trying to figure things out, don't don't talk to me. Leave me alone. He comes walking over to me like through people like there's people around and he comes walking over me and he starts asking me where things are. And I said to him, I said, dude, look at where I'm at. I, I don't know where anything is. I'm from Philly. And at that point, he, like, I'm walking around trying to figure things out. And so I'm still not focused. And I remember him kind of walking around with me and hovering around with me. And uh, I don't remember him touching me, but he was really close to my back right side. And uh, I get in the Uber car. He comes and he takes me, I think it was what, like a 40 minute drive to the hotel. And I had a great conversation with the Uber guy, a really nice guy. I was like, man, this is a great experience. I'm so happy. And I. <laughs> I, I get out of the car and he, he helps me get my stuff out of the back and I, I shake his hand and I give him the five star rating and review thing. I was I was so happy. I walk into the hotel and as soon as I go to reach for my wallet to check in, it's not there. I was like, ugh. And I called I called the Uber guy and he checks his car. It's not in his car. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And right there, it hit me. I knew exactly what happened. I, I texted everybody and I told them what happened. And you finally showed up. And we went to the to the airport. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to find this. And you and I were talking about it. And I was like, I hope we, f- we see this guy. I hope he's still doing this because I want to knock him down. And uh, we, we went right to the door that he pickpocketed me at. And I went inside and I'm looking around. I don't see my wallet anywhere. And uh, I go to this one counter and I asked him, I said, do you have a wallet here? And he said that they do. And it, you know, it was mine. And I opened it up and all my cards were moved around. And, you know, I was just like, this guy was probably looking for money and I don't carry money because I'm poor. And so, <laughs> you know, sorry for your luck, pal, you know, but it's crazy that, you know, we both had that situation happen to us with our shows and sometimes you, you go towards a conspiracy angle. I'm sure people are like, they're watching you. They're both trying to send you guys a sign that they're watching you, you know, but no, I don't know. I, I think a bunch of thieves saw a bunch of, a bunch of suckers, if you want Miles' opinion, but um, yeah, you know, you're, you have to be crazy really to seal a wallet at an airport. You're on camera every yeah. from the moment you walk, even not even from the moment you walk in, the moment you drive up, you're on camera. And so you'd have to be a little crazy, but you know, the live event... When we got to a live event, I, I, I I'm already filtering myself. <laughs> when we got to a live event, I remember I was really nervous because I had never spoken in front of a public before. So that first show, I was really, really nervous. And I was sitting there just drinking coffee left and right. So I was already, I mean, just ripped from drinking coffee. And uh, when we get there, you know, if we do more live events like this, they have to be more in control and more... Everything has to flow better than this. Because like, right off the bat, I was frustrated with a bunch of things. You know, like my show not being able to be recorded, having issues with like technical issues. So me and Tony get there, and we're trying to figure out the board. We're trying to jimmy rig something up because I had planned to do that for my Sunday show, just play the live event. For some reason, yours recorded, mine didn't. But we had all these problems, and so me and Tony are sitting there. And what was it about a half hour before it started? Dude, we were trying to figure it out for 45 minutes to an hour. We got there at noon. And it oh, that's right. That's right. And there was already people there, like already in there. And, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I'm used to people coming up and not, like, introducing themselves or come up and just start talking or, you know, uh, it's odd, but I'm used to that at this point. Like at the International Bigfoot Conference when I go there and some other places, people just come up and start talking to you, and which is doesn't bother me because they feel like they know you and everything like that 
I have my back kind of to where everyone's going to be sitting. And I'm trying to figure out the board. And this big guy spins me around. And he's obviously drunk at this point. And he's like, tell me about, I need to know about them moving unnatural. And I go, what? You said they move unnatural. Explain yourself. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now. I'm not trying to be a dick, but can can we can we talk later? I was like, I'm really kind of in the middle of something. Well, all right. Turns his back, starts walking off. So I go back to working on the board. And he, I feel someone like lean over behind me, and he's like, I need to know. Comes up real close to my hair. I need to know. What did you mean when he said unnatural? <laughs> <laughs> and I lean around. I was like, Are you kidding me? Is this guy for real? Oh, back up. Yeah, I was like, back up, dude. I was like, seriously. I was like, I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna explain this again. And I've learned a long time ago when people are drunk, there's no sense in really. You're going. You're talking to a wall at that point. Yeah. And I was like, I really need you to back up. I was like, I'm in the middle of something right here. You know, we'll talk later. Okay. We'll go over there. Sit down. Relax. <laughs> I'm in the middle of something, okay. man. Have yeah, a couple more beers. Yeah, no more beers. Tonight. Have some water. Sit down, drink some water. So anyway, night goes on, and he gets more obnoxious for that first group. I mean, he starts yeah. to get really, really obnoxious. A bunch of people were bringing Bob from the airport, so I told him, don't... And I didn't want to interrupt the rest of the podcasters by bringing in Bob through the front door, so I told him, go to the back door, I'll be waiting for you guys, and bring him in through the back. Don't bring him in through the front, because it'll interrupt everyone else's presentations and everything like that so anyway they're uh, they're like okay so they go to bring bob back and i'm walking to the uh back door and and he had weird questions too he was talking about benching like 900 pounds and yeah he's just throwing random information in between (laughs) he's raping everyone raping everyone's ears with unwanted information (laughs) so me and bob come in i get bob from the back and we come in the side door and we and bob's knee was bothering him and so I was like, well, let's just go sit down. So we go and we sit down. And I look up and people are taking pictures of us. And I was thinking, well, probably yeah. taking pictures of Bob, not me. But During my show, how dare you bring <laughs> Bob Gimlin in while I'm talking? <laughs> yeah, I had no place for him to sit down. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done that. I know. And uh, Tony's like, does anyone have any other questions? And <laughs> he, the guy raises his hand, the drunk guy. And he's like, yeah, where the hell's Bob Gimlin? Yeah, <laughs> and me and Bob kind of look over at him, and I'm like, I'm looking down at my, you know, down at my my phone for the time. I'm like, how much longer is this event before we got to do the second one? Like, I'm already yeah. calculating when I can get the hell out of here. The night goes on. Me and Bob, we go up on stage and we do our thing. And I, you know, I was nervous after doing the first one. I was really nervous, and uh, we do our whole presentation. Then I asked people. I didn't want to put the workload on Bob, but about the last five six minutes something like that i said hey does anyone have any questions for bob i see this hand go up but i can't see what's behind the hand because there was a guy in front of him and i was like yes sir and it's a drunk guy and i was like he's like tell us a story bob tell us a story and he's pointing up at bob he's like tell it you know he's all slurring tell us a story he, mean, he means the story about when bob the saw whole big- yeah he's the like, whole tell us the big story bob yeah. You never said it before. <laughs> and I remember, yeah, I remember Bob kind of looked over at me, and I was just like, so I grabbed the microphone out of Bob's hands, 
and I go, we, he doesn't have time right now. We don't have that much time to go over the whole Patterson-Gimlin film. Does anyone else have any other questions? And because uh, I was a not, and I was, a fr- and then after I said that, I was like, I wonder if the audience looked at me and go, wow, well, Wes is really a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I but, don't think so. But they didn't realize, <laughs> me and this guy have history at this point. You know, ever since I got here, I have history with this guy. And so we get up and uh, people were asking uh, Bob if they could get pictures of him. And I said, yeah, after we do our presentation, absolutely. Anyone who wants a picture, you can have a picture with Bob. We'll set it up and blah, 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 blah. So we walk over there and I set Bob down and Russ gets a line going. The guy keeps trying to cut in in front of people. He's like, tell me the story, Bob. Tell me the story. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. So I back him up and I'm like, guy, there's there's people here trying to get pictures with Bob. Do you, do you see the line? I was like, you can go stand in line if you want. But I said, don't you think it's kind of rude for you to be cutting people off? People now have to stop and wait for you. You're slurring. You're drunk. You're a mess, man. I was like, just go sit down, go have some water, go relax. And then he starts getting kind of shitty with me. And nice West Grimmer's now leaving the building. And ex-bouncer West Grimmer is now going to step into the building. Yeah, so I me, like that West Grimmer. Yeah, so me and him, I'm starting to let him know right off the bat that my patience with him is gone. And I'm now going to be an asshole. And he's not going to like it when I'm an asshole. And the kind of rust kind of got in between me and him, and that I could just see it on everyone's going Facebook Live while I'm involved in a fight in the middle of this. This shows, shows up on Reddit, you know, Westburner beating down fans, and yeah. Russell Accord and Bob Gimlin are right there with him. Yeah, I can already see it, man. And so he eventually kind of left, and I was like, thank God he left. Then when the second show was over, when we went through the same thing, this guy in the back gets up and goes, I got something to say. And starts walking towards me and Bob. Dude, and I was, I was on high alert there. I, I was on high alert. I did not hear a word he said. I just watched his body language. And I thought, if he comes another five feet, I'm going to hop this table. I'm going to knock over this old woman. Sorry, old woman. I'm going to knock over this old man. Sorry, old man. And I already had the path planned to where I was going to grab this guy. I was on high alert. But it turned out he was a very heartfelt speech. It was very nice. It was very complimentary. Um, and it was very nice of him to do that. And I think at first he kind of looked at me and I, I was locked onto him. And I remember thinking, yeah, I'm a big guy, but I can hop this table. I'll, I can show you what I can do here in a moment. It, but it turned out to be very nice. It was very complimentary. And But after that first show, I was like, oh, here we go again. That, that guy was... Um unfortunately a highlight of the day because it kind of set the tone for us the the rest of the day it was just like okay who's showing up drunk on the second show who's doing this and uh you know it was just a very frustrating thing to see this guy act the way he did and you know then get belligerent and things like that and at one point i'm standing in the hallway and uh i think it was i think it was hillbilly horror stories somebody was talking it wasn't you or me and you would come over to me and you started talking to me and this guy came up behind you and he's like standing right behind you and I whisper in your ear I'm just like the guy's right behind you and then you just 
turn left and you walk down the hallway. I was like, thanks, Wes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he just ditched me. And uh, he, he comes to me then and he's like, you know, this is what I think Bigfoot is. And he pulled up his Facebook and he wanted me to read his post. And so I read his post and it was, you know, this the, the Nephilim topic idea. And he kept on saying, he kept on saying, you know, I'm a Bible believing Christian. He's like, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, and the whole time and stuff, he's drunk and he's just talking about how these are the Nephilim and all this other stuff. And I was just like, yeah, man, you're probably right. You're probably right, man. Absolutely. And stuff. And I, I, I didn't know what else to do, but that guy was a character, a character. And I'm just glad that nothing, you know, really bad happened there. Well, but, uh, before, right before he left, yeah, I know. And I left you in the dust. Sorry, man. I, I had enough of that guy. And there were too many cameras around. I was, my patience was zero at that yeah. point. I had to walk away from him. Uh, but when he was up trying to talk to Bob, or first before Bob sat down to do pictures, he was talking to him face to face and he was kind of wobbling like he was going to fall forward. Yeah. I mean, he was do- he was doing, no one can see me doing it, but he was doing this wobbling motion. And so I got in between him and Bob and put my back to him. And I said, hey, Bob, would you mind signing this for this young lady over here? And just completely cut him off. And you think he would have backed up two or three steps? He didn't. He was basically like almost kissing my neck. And I was like, do you mind backing up a little bit? You know, I'm generally nice to everyone. I don't even mind if people show up drunk. Just don't be a drunk asshole when you show up. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. He's the one who interrupted. I was I was talking, and I said, anybody got any questions? And he's like, yeah, where's Bob? And I was like, well, I guess we're going to end the show there. <laughs> <laughs> because the first crowd of people that showed up, that show was sold out. Both shows were sold out. But the first crowd, they heard about the second show on your show. That's where you av- we advertised it. The, f- the second crowd was the first show that sold out. And that show sold out after we announced it on my show. And so I wasn't sure what to expect for the second crowd, but the first crowd, I, for me, seemed like they, they were really there to see you and Bob because you announced it on your show. And uh, we walk in, like, so we, we went back to the hotel for, oh, right. show. we're just kind of relaxing and stuff for like an hour before we had to be back there. It turns out as soon as we left there, people for the second show started showing up and we didn't know this. And so we show up and I think we were pretty, pretty good on time. And we decided to take uh, the front door, you, me, Bob, Russ. As soon as I opened that door and we walked in, everybody's like, yeah, and they're cheering and clapping. I was like, what the heck? You guys know I'm a truck driver, right? Like, I was like, what in the world? And then Bob comes in and everybody's going nuts. And uh, I had a feeling like that show was going to go uh, better for me than the first one, as long as that guy wasn't there. And it did. Like, it was, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, I, I I had a great time just, you know, doing the speaking, but like, even like with the intro to my show and stuff, people, you know, did the, the, I guess it's becoming, you know, a staple for me, but the, the yup, like everybody did the yup with me. And, uh, at the end we did, we all did the parting tag. The truth will set you free, but first will piss you off. And I, I just think the second show for me, I, I think I was in a groove and I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, what do you think about the second show compared to the first one? I was less nervous. You know, I, I know you're more comfortable public speaking, which sounds crazy probably to most people listening, that I would be nervous public speaking. But I'm more of an introvert. I really am. I'm not really. Yeah. Tony's very much an extrovert. He loves big crowds. He loves. And I would say I'm very much more introverted. Uh, but the second show, I thought both shows went well. You know, and, and I, I don't hold anything as the drunk guy. It was just an irritation. That second well, show, we actually, I think we had like 45 minutes and we walked in, I was like, oh, I really got to go pee. And then there was like this wall of people. And I was like, 
Yeah. Better get to holding it. I, I would do it again. I, I would want it more controlled than what this was. This was complete yeah. chaos behind the scenes. And I don't think most people realize that who saw the show. It seemed like it was well put together. But it was complete chaos behind the scenes with a lot of different things. One of the signs for me for the first show. So I had a, in my head how I was going to do the whole thing. And for the first show, I started playing my intro music. And the whole time the intro music was going, people were just talking. Like I could hear them talking over the music. And I was just like, okay, this isn't going to work. And so I, I hit pause. And I was like, well, welcome to the show, everybody. And just started going because I was like, ain't nobody going to yuck with me. So. Yeah, I thought you did a good job. And it was fun going to uh, Dallas. We So we drive from Houston to Dallas, which is a very lonely ride. You know, it's like a straight, basically you drive straight for four hours in the middle of nowhere. And um, we get to Dallas and we went bowling with everyone. And it's funny when we get there. So I, I think we went to bed around one or two, maybe even later. And we were up by five or six seven o'clock packed up we were getting everything going so we really hadn't slept much and you know for me i'm in a different even when you're in different hotel rooms it's hard to sleep like for for me anyway it is and so i really hadn't slept for the last i don't know three or four days and we get to uh dallas and no none of us had eaten like no one had eaten <laughs> we walk in and i'm like i'm telling you I was like, man, I feel so bad for the crowd that's here. I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired, and I'm so hungry, and I just want to sit down and eat something before. But, you know, I, I realize people are coming out. It's their time. I respect people's time. I walk around. I'm trying to say hi to everyone. Well, halfway through it, I was like, I got to get something to eat. And Tony's cards are off because he had yeah. lost his wallet, so he has no money. And I was like, I bet Tony's hungry. So I run up, and I grab this this platter of food. And there's like chicken wings in there. There's French fries. There's it's just like a platter of food. And I'm like, oh, we'll share this because I know neither one of us are gonna be able to sit down and really eat. We're just kind of gonna graze while we're talking to people. I set it down. I was like, hey man, this for you and me. And I was like, I'm gonna be right back. I only got halfway through the crowd. I'm gonna go back and and make sure I say hello to everyone that's here. So I walk through and say hello to everyone. And I walk back and the whole platter of food's gone. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, I look at you and I was like, really? Really? And uh, I think Tony thought I bought it for him. I don't yeah. think he heard me. Well, here's, here's the thing. I mean, when you brought that over to the table that I was, ta I was talking to these people and you brought it over. So I'm like in the middle of talking to them and you're holding three platters because you actually bought two guys dinner. And so you put that down in front of me and I assumed one of those was yours. And I just went to town because like you said, we were hungry. And I was just like, oh, thanks, Wes. <laughs> I just ate yeah. the whole thing. That, that tray was like spotless. It looked like it had just gone through the dishwasher. It was spotless. Oh, it did. It's all <laughs> my time. <laughs> and I was sitting there, I was like, man. And you know when you get so tired and you're so hungry, like we hadn't eaten all day. And I was like, man, I just need something to eat. I think I'll feel better if I eat something. And one of the listeners had bought me a beer, and I was like, man, I feel so woozy right now. If I drink this beer, I might pass out. And, but I drank it, and then uh, we, ended, we ended up going bowling. It was a lot of fun. Tony beat me in bowling. I beat him the first game, but it was a little – I cheated a little bit. I kept – you know, I was saying different things well, as he would try and throw the ball, but – no, it was my fault. The first, the first one was my fault anyways because I had a chance to win it at the end, and I couldn't seal the deal. Yeah, because – yeah, well, here's the other thing. So I got big old fat fingers – like, I basically have, like, um, I don't know, they're big fat fingers. So bowling isn't really my game because 
a lot of the bowling balls, the holes are kind of small. But I found a 16-pound bowling ball that was working really well, and I, you know, everything fit perfect. And uh, I go to throw it one time, and my thumb got stuck. And I, if I didn't go down with the ball, it would have broke my finger. <laughs> it was a mess. Bowling was a mess. And I get I up and, every, and I look up, and, I, and like all the fans are looking at me, and I'm like, "Really? No one's gonna help a guy up, huh?" And, and what did I do? I stood there clapping and laughing. Yeah, you did. I was like, man, I wish I had that on video. <laughs> and all I saw was the aftermath. I actually didn't see you fall down. I just saw you down. I was like, dang it. Did anybody get that on camera? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God no one did. I thought it was going to break my finger, though, man. You, I don't know if you've ever done, done that. You throw a, a bowling ball and you get stuck. and like. No. I mean, maybe it's that's just me. why... Every time I go bowling, usually I use my middle finger, my ring finger, and I leave my thumb out of it because that's a big fear of mine that my thumb's going to get caught in it. I mean, I'm not a bowler. I, last time we went bowling, you both and I, you know, it was like we were high school age. So, I mean, it wasn't something that we're used to doing. But uh, we walked away from that bowling thing in pain, bro. Like, you fell. I felt like my back was, like, splitting in half. Uh, both our freaking left butt cheeks were sore the next two days. It was a... I'll tell you what, bowling is a workout, man. Throwing a ball down the alley. Yeah, I was hurt. We were hurting. It's funny. We're getting in and out of the rental car, and we'd both go, uh, sit down. We'd both be like, uh, trying to get back up. But and Bob's like, come on, sissies. I bail hay, and I'm 88 yeah. years old. <laughs> he was, man. <laughs> he was. I had a blast, so it was fun hanging out with Bob. It was fun to bring him down and just have him relax, you know, because a lot of times he goes to these events. And he's up there speaking for 45 minutes, and then people are all... And I was like, I want you to just come down and relax, have fun, Bob. And so I think it was different for Bob than what he's used to, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He seemed very relaxed, and uh, just... I think he had a good time, because it was like... He was a guest, but it wasn't the pressure of being the guest. And I think that was a big change for him. So I think he had a good time, and I think... Uh, I, I just met Russ for the first time. Uh, at this event and he was a great guy too it was really nice getting to know him and i'll tell you what between you and russ i would not want to be anybody messing with bob because both you guys are big guys and you know russ is is the real deal like <laughs> i would not mess Hell with yeah. russ at all and so i i was just like when when that guy the at the second show got up and started walking up and you know he was he meant all well and he was fine but the, when he first started walking, I was the closest to him. And I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at Russ, and I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at Russ, and Russ is just peeking his head up real stern, just watching. He's zoned in. And I'm looking at you, and you're zoned in. And I was just like, okay, if this guy does something, he's not going to get very far. <laughs> yeah, no, R Russ takes good care of Bob, too. That's a cool cool part about it. I like that Russ is kind of Bob's manager because he he filters that stuff. You know what I mean? He yeah. And I told him during that live event, I was like, you know, this guy's been drinking. I think he's harmless, but he's been drinking. And, you know, and I was like, just kind of keep an eye on things. And mainly for Bob's sake. But, yeah. No, Russ is... Uh, thank God Russ is such a nice guy because he could have emptied that place. And I don't think anyone could have stopped him. Yeah. The guy's built like a monster. Yeah, he's a nice guy, but a very professional temper. Like, I mean, he could he could turn it off if he wants to, but he has the option. Like, he doesn't, he's not like a loose cannon. And, uh, you know, the guy, I don't know how old he is, but he still works out every day. I mean, the guy, he's got guns on him, man. I would not want to mess with him, that's for sure. Not at all. I'll tell you, man, it was a good event. I had a good time, and it was just nice being down there in Texas. And I'll tell you, it's very true. That Southern hospitality is very real. 
I, I am every time I go to Texas, I'm impressed with this just the people down there. It's the good kindness. people, man. It's real good people. And they ain't got no state income taxes, so they, they know what they're doing down there. I always come back to that, man. I love Texas. If if not for anything else, it's because they got it all together on the state income tax thing, man. Leave me alone and let me keep my money. Yeah, we'll have to maybe plan another one in the future. I'm kind of thinking L.A., which is uh, – it's odd, man. I I think both of our shows are – the biggest city is L.A. that listens. By far. I was telling someone down in Texas that, and they're like, what's the the state that listens the most? I go, California. They're like, really? And and they asked me what city, and I go, L.A. by far. The minute I put up a show, it's L.A. L.A., I mean – Yep. And so God bless L.A. I say we go there next. But I would go to Texas. It wouldn't be hard to talk me into going to Texas again, that's for sure. No. And I know once we were doing this live event, we were getting a lot of messages on Facebook and things like that when people were tagging us. And a lot of people were saying, come to Florida, come to Georgia, come to California. I mean, so, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think uh, after this event, I see that, you know, I think people would really appreciate it if we did come around and did some live shows in person for people, you know, really all over the place. And I, I'm, I'm down for it. I, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to just kind of hang out with people and let them get to know us and meet us. It, I don't know if you, what was the strangest uh, thing that somebody said to you? Because for me, it was uh, somebody came up to me a couple times and they said, I listened to your show. I know your voice, but it's really weird watching your voice come out of your mouth. And I'm just like, well, yeah. I don't know what to say to that. It's it's my voice, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's just funny because like people listen to you on a weekly basis, and you're you're part of their radio. But being in person, I guess it's just kind of like, wow, you know, that's what he sounds like in person. Same thing as on the uh, computer. Yeah, I, I did get a little bit of that, but I've gotten that before in the past, so it doesn't really shock me. I think people envision you different in your head than what your voice is, and then when they see you, they're like, hmm, that's not what I was expecting. And I've done that before with radio guys, too, that I listen to. And I'm like, really? That's what the guy looks like? So yeah. I would say that. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of just your general questions you get over. I can't think of anything really weird anyone said to me. It's funny. When we were leaving uh, Dallas, heading back the night before we flew out. I said, Bob, do you ever get tired of answering the same questions? Because oh, I've been with Bob at different events. And Um, I said, do you ever get tired of answering the same questions over and over and over? And people do. They ask the same questions, but they don't know. But I've heard Bob and Bob answered every time like he's never heard the question before, which I find amazing. (laughs) He goes, I go, do you get tired of answering questions over and over the same questions? And he goes, yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was busting. You know, I was expecting some political answer from him, you know, some politically. He just goes, Yep. Sure do, Wes. I started laughing, but that's Bob. I'll tell you what, man. I, in the beginning, you mentioned about Les Stroud starting a podcast, and I, I want to encourage everybody when that when that thing drops, everybody needs to go and check that out because when you're listening to a podcast, you're going to be looking for what you're going to be looking for quality and content, and Les is going to bring it all to the table for you because Les obviously knows how to produce content, quality content. He's been on TV. Uh, he's actually an accomplished musician, so he already has the recording equipment at his home. Everything you'd be looking for in a podcast, Les is going to be offering on that podcast. And I, I just think that everybody, I wanted to emphasize that everybody needs to check it out because the audio quality is going to be amazing. The content's going to be amazing because the guy has a lifetime of experiences. Yeah, it's going to be a good show. And him and I did the first three. And Les is a smart guy, man. Les knows, Les, you can literally go on any topic with that guy and he can roll with it. I mean, literally any topic, politics, religion, 
uh, conspiracy, cryptids, survival. I mean, you throw anything at that guy and he can sit and talk about it. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. It's going to be a great show, man. We'll have to, we'll chat more. I guess we got to get back to work. Got to get back to making the show. And I thought we'd sit down and chat with you guys, let you know how the Houston trip really went. And uh, hopefully we'll probably be in L.A. next time. Yeah, I think so. I think L.A. is probably going to be right there on the on the list of things to do. It's definitely a, a no-brainer in my mind. So until then, man. Yeah, it was fun hanging out with you, Tony. And uh, until next time, everyone. Take care, stay safe, and remember, the truth will set you free. But first, blah, 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 blah. <laughs>